Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here solo as the West Coast road trip and the very, very late games takes its toll on my usual local co-host here. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me later this week on one of the off days. I'll keep you guys updated and you can join me live on an episode of Locked On Bucks. All you have to do is download the app and you'll be able to join me there. Locker room, changing the way we all talk about sports. Now, the Bucks, for mine, one of the most disappointing losses of the season. They really get blown out in the end, 129 to 105, outscored 33 to 19 in the fourth quarter. And a big part of that was a shooting rampage from Luke Kennard in the fourth quarter. He finishes five of six from three. I believe four of those came in the fourth quarter. He had 21 points. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had 23. Marcus Morris was four for seven from three himself with 25. And Reggie Jackson, we'll get to him in just a little bit, had 20 points as well. And really, that was the story of this game. The Clippers with multiple contributors offensively and the Bucks really outside of 32 points from Giannis and 24 points from Drew Holiday just could not find the offensive output to keep pace with the Clippers who got hot after the first quarter where the Bucks really raced out to a quick start here. So we're going to break this all down. I think if you're a Bucks fan, certainly there is a number of concerning stats from this one-off game, sure. But this is the beginning of a road trip, a very difficult West Coast road trip, and probably the starting point of where if you're a Bucks fan, you really want to start to lock down. And we've spoke a lot all season long about the inconsistencies of this team defensively at times and also offensively and some of the depth contributors that they've been able to find and sometimes go a little bit missing. 26 games left after tonight before the postseason. That's going to go really, really quick, particularly when you consider eight of the next nine games are on the road. So by the time you get this heavy road stretch done, uh, you've only got around 15, 16 games before the playoffs. We'll break this game down here in a bit, but I did ask Drew Holiday after the game whether he feels that there is a sense of urgency that needs to be found with this team as the playoffs begin. And he said, yeah, and it needs to start now. And he rattled off a bunch of the teams that they have on this road trip. But if you look at the schedule, they've clearly got a break with the Lakers here in a couple of days because there's going to be no LeBron. There's going to be no AD. At this time, it's certainly uncertain whether Andre Drummond is going to be there as well. But Nonetheless, whether he is or not, that's still a game that the Bucs should absolutely win at Staples Center, and the pressure's on now. So they catch a break there. But outside of that, they've got the Trailblazers, who have been hot, the Kings, who are playing excellent basketball, then Golden State, Dallas. And then they go home, but they've got a Charlotte Hornets team that's been playing some seriously good basketball before they go out on the road again. So this is a really, really difficult stretch for the Bucs. Now, they're absolutely comfortable in the top three seeds right now. 
But I just think from a big picture point of view, this is the time where you want to see the Bucks start to lock down and, and really, again, bring it against some of these top-level teams night in, night out, because I think that this is a stretch that can really define the Bucks' regular season and give themselves a lot of confidence rolling through uh, to the postseason. There's no doubt about that. So if I look at the box score from this game, there's a number of numbers, again, that really concern me. The number one would be the offensive rebounding. The Bucks were uh, out-rebounded on the offensive end, 13-5, to which translated overall to a 46-32 advantage to the Los Angeles Clippers. And overall, they, as a result of that, they were able to attempt 13 more... Uh, sorry, they were able to attempt 14 more shots and it translated into a 25-6 to six advantage in second-chance points, which uh, I don't know offhand the numbers, but I would have to imagine if you have a plus 19 advantage in second-chance points, I would have to say history tells you that that result probably doesn't go your way because that is an absurd number, and it just continually hurt the Bucks uh, with three-point shots a lot. There was a, there was a couple of putback dunks that were a part of that, but overall, a really poor rebounding job from the Bucks tonight. And in typical fashion, Drew Holiday put his hand up and said he didn't do a great job. But overall, I think that the effort on the glass was completely lacking from Milwaukee, which again has to be a little bit disappointing when you consider uh, that the clip is shorthanded. I didn't even mention no Paul George, who was a late scratch with right foot soreness, no Pat Bev, no Serge Ibaka. The Clippers are still a good team and clearly they have weapons from beyond the three-point line, but a disappointing loss, an absolutely disappointing loss. I want to get to the defensive side of things here in just a little bit, so we're going to get to that. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting another locker room podcast, live show, whatever you want to call it, later on in the week. So make sure uh, you keep listening to this podcast, Locked On Bucks, and also uh, follow me on Twitter at Kane Pittman, and I'll keep you updated when I am going to go live. It'll be on an off day uh, later this week, and you guys can get involved. We've already had a couple of those, and they've been uh, plenty of fun so far. So again, You'll find fans just like you unlock a room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors. Just go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Kane Pittman to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live, as I said, later this week, and I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Bucks. See you there. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sport. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk defense when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks in particular tonight. I know that it feels like it's consistent themes when it comes to the three-point shooting in particular, and the Clippers 19 for 34, 56% from three. They were red hot. And certainly, they got really, really hot in the fourth quarter when they blew this game out. But my biggest concern defensively was the Bucks' lack of ability 
to stop the Clippers at the point of attack. So it was interesting to me to just, and you know, quite frankly, this year I've tried to stay off Twitter more during games just so I can soak it in and really try and get my own head around what I think is happening out there. But during timeouts, I did see a lot of the conversation again circling around Brook Lopez, who, by the way, only played 20 minutes tonight. And, uh, you know, for, for the most part, wasn't out there when a lot of the damage was being done in the fourth quarter. But I just think that sometimes, and first of all, I, I've been someone that's defended Brook Lopez a lot, but you're absolutely within your rights to accuse me of going in Brook Lopez defense mode here. Uh, that's not necessarily the case because I will say this, in minutes where Zubats wasn't on the floor, you could certainly question whether Brook Lopez was a guy that you needed to have out there or you could have gone small. Now, I think that your options to do that are certainly limited when you don't have PJ Tucker and you don't have Bobby Portis in the lineup. I know people will automatically point to uh, Mamadi Diakite, who came in and, and played early first quarter minutes and was quite good. Finished a dunk on a roll that made me think I was watching a Lakeland Magic game for anyone that's watched Diakite down in the G League. He was feasting in those types of situations. Drew Holiday found him for a really nice roll and a nice catch, nice dunk, nice play. Uh, defensively, he was moving around a bit. We know he's athletic. But I think, you know, ultimately moving forward, again, it would probably be PJ. It would probably be, um, you know, Bobby that would get some of those minutes. But I, I just was watching this game, and regardless of whether you thought that the lineup was one that Brooks should have been out on the floor and when the Clippers went small, to me, again, it's too, you are simplifying things far too much if you want to just look at this game and say, well, Brook Lopez was a problem. Again, he only played 21 minutes. The Clippers were feasting from the three-point line throughout this game, whether Brook was on the floor or not. And the reason for that was because the Bucks guards weren't able to stay in front of their guy. Now, Drew Holiday in this game took the responsibility of defending Kawhi Leonard. I think he did a pretty good job. Kawhi was 10 for 21 from the field. He had 23 points, but he was 0 for 6 from the three-point line. Certainly in lineups where there was Dante, where there was Brynn, and, and other guys out there on the perimeter. Pat, at times, the Clippers and Terrence Mann and certainly Reggie Jackson just found it far too easy to get into the paint. And then you can say that Brook Lopez is the guy that is in rotation and he's slow to get out to the perimeter. And he's going to be, sure, he's going to be slower on some of those closeouts that we saw. One with the Marcus Morris uh, wide open corner three stands out to me where Brook Lopez tried to get out there, but it was a little bit too late. But it has to start at the point of attack and you have to be able to stay in front of your man. And when Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann were getting into the paint at will, it's one pass and then all of a sudden everyone is in rotation and from that point on you find yourself scrambling and they're going to be able to get an open look or they're going to be able to find a guy cutting to the basket because players are out of position. So again, I think you're absolutely within your rights if you say, ah, I probably would have liked Diakite out on the floor instead of Brooks. Sure, that's fine. But again, you know, I think that you're simplifying things too much if you're simply looking at this game and saying that, Brook Lopez was the definitive problem out there. I don't think that was the case. For mine, it was more about the perimeter defense. And at times, we've seen this be a little bit inconsistent. Mike Budenholzer, after games, is pretty consistently, when the Bucs have been beaten, has referenced that point of attack defense. So I asked him about that. I said, well, what does that come down to? What are you looking at? Is it personnel? Is it effort? Where does that come back to? And he sort of pointed to the fact that he thinks that they've been improving, and I think that's fine to say. I think we've seen at times 
that the Bucks have been uh, really feverish with their perimeter defense. And they've been able to uh, suffocate teams with certain lineups. There's no doubt about that. And they started doing that in the first quarter. Drew Holiday was absolutely sensational. He had 12 points, five assists. He had a steal in there and he was doing it all defensively. But that effort level certainly dropped off. And to me, I think, again, it is another indication of, of why, if you're a Bucks fan, you are so, so, so excited about the prospect of getting P.J. Tucker in that lineup because it does give you another guy that's a dog on the perimeter, a guy that's going to stay in front of guys, a guy that's going to make things difficult because, uh, you know, not to single out Dante, who I think, you know, for a lot of times gets unfairly criticized for his inconsistencies. I mean, he's, he's a role player. That's, that's the life of an NBA role player. But I mentioned his name on a podcast a couple of days ago, or might have been last week, in terms of the fact that he's kind of an all-or-nothing guy. And we see at times that he gets in the passing lane, he picks up steals, he can get you a block from here or there, deflections for sure. But he's not necessarily a guy that you think of defensively as someone that's going to be rock-solid staying in front of someone or locking someone down on the perimeter. So tonight, it did feel like the Bucks were a little bit short when they didn't have a PJ Tucker out there and then it forced sort of everyone to move up in the rotation a little bit. And they were at times struggling with, with Forbes and, and Connaughton again and DiVincenzo to keep those guys in front. So overall, maybe it's effort, maybe it's personnel. I'm not sure how you feel about that. You can certainly let me know on Twitter at Kane Pittman, but I think, yeah, I, I think the, the broader point is again, if, if you're trying to, sort of point the finger at one guy for tonight's defensive struggles, I don't think that's necessarily the case because we've seen all season long that the Bucks have had issues when that first action from the opposition offense really gets them into ball swings and ball movement. And again, we saw that tonight from the Clippers and that's how they were able to get back into the game. From an offensive point of view, outside of 38 points in the first quarter, the Bucks only had a combined 36 in the second and fourth. They had 31 in the third, which wasn't too bad. But dreadful second and dreadful fourth quarter. And something that stands out to me big time, 19 for 37 in the paint. They had 38 points in the paint, but that 19 for 37, so just a fraction over 50% from the field in the paint. And, geez, they missed some absolute bunnies tonight. And Giannis, probably top of the tree, particularly in the first half. He certainly got it together in the second but I could probably count three or four in the first half that he missed that for him, it's just so shocking because he's so elite in that area. He's so elite in the paint that you just never see them. Drew Holiday missed an open layup. Chris Middleton missed a couple close to the basket. And overall, it was, it was kind of a rough night for Chris. So 15 points, 7 for 15 from the field. But he didn't really have the same usual impact that he would have. But I thought, you know, going towards the end of the third quarter, I wasn't expecting the three-point barrage from the Clippers, but it did just feel that those misses were starting to add up because you, you got the sense that if the Bucs had been able to, to make some of those shots, particularly in the first half, they could have broke down the Clippers a little bit more uh, than they were able to, and they ended up finding themselves down at halftime, which was a bit of a blow considering uh, the first quarter that they had there. All right, let's talk about betonline.ag now, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, March Madness really getting to the pointy end now, so you can check out all the odds there, but also the NBA as the road to the playoffs begin and the NHL if you're a hockey fan there. There's awards TV shows, reality TV. It's not just sports, so check it all out. 
at betonline.ag for the real-time updated odds and props on anything you can imagine. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. All you have to do is go to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And once you're done there, speaking of getting to the pointy end, like March Madness in the NCAA, Built Bar Madness is well and truly at the pointy end now. Uh, we have got one final matchup to decide who moves through to the Flavorful Four. We've got Coconut Brownie Chunk versus Caramel Brownie to see who gets through to the Flavorful Four. We already have Cookies and Cream, Cookie Dough Chunk, and Mint Brownie that are through. And as you guys know, I've been telling you about Built Bar for a long time, but it's low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Go to BuiltBar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter to check out all the brackets. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with Locked On NBA Draft Podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. So before I move on to the other news of today with Jeff Teague, and it's a solo pod, so I'm not going to keep you guys around too long here. We'll talk about Jeff Teague in just a second here. I do want to reference Giannis and his health and his knee because... It was interesting. At halftime, I did tweet out the, just the, the, the fact that Giannis was missing um, quite a few bunnies and it's just so strange to see him do that. And I did see a couple of comments that he doesn't look right or he doesn't look like he's finishing or he doesn't look like he had his confidence. I didn't quite see that. I mean, to me, I thought that he was moving pretty well. And I think the ultimate confirmation is Frank Madden who we know is, can, be, can be as hard on Giannis as anyone or can be more frustrated by his struggles than anyone. He actually sent in our DM that uh, he thought he looked fine. It was just a few unforgivable, unforgivable misses from a guy like Giannis where you just don't expect that. So ultimately, I think you know, the positive from this game is that Giannis moved pretty well. He was 10 for 12 from the free throw line, which is obviously a significant positive there again. But yeah, didn't get the same assist numbers that you would usually expect. And the 10 for 21 from the field overall um, looks worse than it probably should have been because of those easy misses. But again, if you're looking for a positive, to me, Giannis moved better, got to his spots better than we saw in those two Boston games. So that stood out to me as a positive if you're trying to take anything uh, away from this game. And once again, shout out to Thanasis. He had a couple of nice finishes close to the basket there. As I mentioned on, on yesterday's podcast, this has been a real area of improvement for him. Uh, he finished with seven points there on, on three for six shooting. So shout out to Thanasis. The Bucks, though, as I mentioned, uh, now 29 and 17 on the season. They will have the Lakers in a couple of days and we'll certainly probably have more Lakers chat on tomorrow's podcast. We didn't get an update, or we didn't get a solid update on PJ Tucker. He is with the team on this West Coast trip. We did find that out. I wouldn't say that it's likely that we're going to see PJ Tucker. Mike Budenholzer pregame did suggest that uh, they'll just see how he goes. So as as is normal procedure, let's just say that there wasn't a lot given away in terms of the injury report there from Bud pregame. 
But I would imagine with PJ Tucker again being 35 and the calf being such a problematic injury for older players uh, that they'll continue to be cautious with him. You just hope that it's not something more underlying, a little bit more serious there. But the reality is we're probably not going to find that out. As far as Bobby Portis, he's not with the team. He didn't travel. He's in the health and safety protocol. So you can at least rule out Bobby Portis, most likely for the next four games, unless they flew him out there uh, separately. But uh, that's a bit of a blow. You know, Bobby Portis had such a huge game last week with the 20 points uh, against the Pacers, I believe it was, and and being a, a feature of the rotation all season long. So there's a bit of an update there. But Jeff Teague was the news of the day. And... Uh, it looks like Teague is going to join the Bucks. It's not official yet. But this was interesting because I think we mentioned Jeff Teague on the podcast last week, and I, I don't think that we were all that excited about the idea of Jeff Teague, just in terms of being a needle mover. But to be fair, I've always thought this about buyout, guys. The reason why they get so much hype around these buyout plays is because of the fact that sometimes you get big names. So you might get a Blake Griffin or you might get a LaMarcus Aldridge. But the reality is the reason they're getting bought out is because they're generally past their prime. And very rarely do they contribute in a, in a huge way to moving the needle towards a championship team. Now, last year with the Lakers, you can point to Markeith Morris. That's probably the best you're going to get. If you get a guy that can swing a couple of playoff games with a big shot, then you absolutely take that. But most of the time, it's depth. Most of the time, it's just building the roster on championship contending teams that are typically top-heavy and have a roster spot or two at the end. So Jeff Teague, uh, the funny thing about this is that his best two games of the season arguably might have come against the Bucs. He had, uh, I think, 20 points or something in the season opener and then 15 the other night uh, for the Celtics there. But I wouldn't have the expectations too high for Teague, but he is a guy that Bud knows uh, from his time in Atlanta. And I think the important part to note of this with Teague is that I believe his prorated salary is going to be around the mark of 542000 We were trying to do some calculations again. A very big thanks to uh, the, the great Eric Nain that might have passed on that figure to me as we were bouncing ideas back and forth. The Bucks were about 1.2 mil clear of the luxury tax. So they should be able to still add, if you want to talk about an Austin Rivers, they should still be able to add him if that's the case when he clears waivers. So we'll wait and see. Uh, overall, we discussed Austin Rivers yesterday, so you can hear us, uh, hear Frank and myself's thoughts on Austin Rivers if you want. But again, I don't think a huge needle mover, but certainly a guy that will fill depth. And again, if there's a playoff game and, he, and either of those two guys play 10 to 15 minutes and you get double-digit scoring and a couple of threes, that's all you can ask for. And I will say that the Bucks did need at least a body, perhaps two in terms of their their guard depth. And again, uh, who knows? I mean, we'll wait and see what's going on with PJ Tucker. But I think we learned tonight that uh, the front court rotation, if they aren't able to get healthy, will also be a question mark. But again, on the road to the playoffs, this is the main goal for every team. Stay healthy. And I still think this Bucks team, again, uh, they're, they're better built for the postseason this year than they have been previously. But they're going to need a little bit of luck and they're going to need to stay healthy. So overall, I'm fine with the Jeff Teague uh, signing. I'm not you know, jumping up and down about it. I'm not thrilled about it. Clearly, his best basketball is behind him. But if they need spot minutes from him here or there, then that's also going to be completely fine. He shot the ball from three at over, well over 40% this season. So we'll see what Jeff T can bring to this team. 
Overall, though, as I mentioned, this was really a disappointing night for the Bucks. They go down 129 to 105 to the LA Clippers. They're 29 and 17 on the season. The big positive again, Giannis looks to have got through healthy. The starters basically were all back in the lineup, just a couple of guys hoping to get healthy here. But, but overall, uh, the Bucks are going to be better and they're going to figure it out on this road trip because it's not going to get any easier. Like I said, uh, tomorrow we'll have a podcast. I'll be with someone. Can't confirm who that will be uh, just yet to this point. But as always, hit me up on Twitter at Kane Pittman, at Bucks. Even though I, I don't have much access to that account right now, uh, feel free to tweet it there or get us lockedonbucks at gmail.com. Uh, we, love, we love the feedback. And let us know what you're concerned about because like Drew Holiday said tonight, the time is now for this Bucks team to figure it out on the road to the playoffs. So I'll leave it there. Short and sweet tonight. It's very late, Central Time, 1.30 a.m. That's why I'm here solo. But the Bucks are out west and they're going to continue with the game against the Lakers in two nights' time. Stick with us on Lockdown Bucks and we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.